that it's hard to convince people that catastrophic weather changes are coming on a nice day. Welcome back to another episode of Strong Municipal Library's podcast, All Booked, where we talk to you about the books we'd like to recommend. And Chasley is joining us today to talk about The Calculating Stars. That is a book title. She's not talking about the stars themselves, I don't think. Yes, it is. It's a book by Mary Robinette Cowell. It's the, the series is called The Lady Astronaut Universe, but she mm. refers to it as Punch Card Punk. Punch Card Ooh, Punk. I like her, that. Her Punch part Card Punk Universe is what she's called it. And it's actually, the first book comes out came out in 2018, but there's also like all all of these assorted like prequel and sequel short stories and all of these various collections. So if you're the kind of person who likes to track that kind of thing down, then this may be a good series for you. So I wanted to be an astronaut for a lot longer than most kids. I even talked to the Air Force in high school because somebody told me that's where most astronauts start off. But I had asthma, so that was not going to happen. I also did that, but I have glasses. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> they just don't know what they're missing. And I didn't know anything about like the other side of it. Like if somebody had told me that I could go get an engineering degree and be working on the James Webb Space Telescope or on one of the Mars rovers, I would be having a very different life right now. I'm still hoping that the first space colony is going to be in need of a librarian. I'm just <laughs> fingers crossed. So The Calculating Stars, this is as much of like an alternative history as it is like a very realistic sci-fi. If you read or saw hidden figures about the mathematicians, they, they would call them computers, right, for the war and for later for the space race, that's the same kind of time and the same issues and the same atmosphere as what's going on in this story. It starts off in 1950 a meteorite falls to Earth and obliterates most of the East Coast of the United States, including Washington, D.C. The main character, Elma York, she and her husband barely escape, and... She is a pilot. She was uh, she flew in World War II as a WASP pilot. And she realizes, she's also a mathematician, that she it's an extinction-level event. She's really the first person to be like, this is really bad, but you just don't really understand how Yeah, I was about is. to ask how you could just have a meteorite take out a chunk of coast without <laughs> it being catastrophic. Absolutely. Yeah. And so the story starts off with her trying to convince the people around her, the, the space agencies and the government, what's left of it, that they are going to have to take some major steps to avoid going extinct basically so like if you like stories that are about climate change <laughs> this is this is a good one one of the things she actually says is that it's hard to convince people that catastrophic weather changes are coming on a nice day and that is that to me hit it just like right on the head and she is very clever that way like the way that she thinks about things will will echo like for things that are happening in our lives and in our world right now even though this is set so far in the past and even though the book itself is several years old so her experience as a pilot and mathematician earns her a place in uh, what they call the IAC the International Aerospace Coalition and they they're they're working to put the first man in space right we're in 1952 so we're she's they're wanting to colonize space, but they got to start by putting like one person up there first. So, but as they're doing all of this work and she is working beside all of these women pilots and scientists, she starts to really question this idea that they're just going to send men into space. Like she's like, first of all, if you're going to colonize, you're going to have to send right. women. Like, do I need to explain to you how this is important? And so that's kind of an, uh, a running joke in the story. But she just, all of a sudden, she is like, you know what? This is something that I want. And I know that the women around me want this too. And so she takes this 
drive that she has and she's like uses everything her reputation the publicity the people around her she's she's wanting to manipulate everything so that they get a chance to go to space themselves in the in the scheme of the story are they thinking that the people are that are leaving the planet are just like the test group or are they thinking that's it for humanity like just this group of people we may die <laughs> right no so there it's, it's a twofold kind of plan like okay. we're going to evacuate people because we know that it's going to get real bad but there are like ameliorating things we can do to help slow climate change at the very least. So there is some hope for Earth. It's just not a lot. She just wants to be some of the first feet on the ground. She doesn't want it to just be a bunch of guys up there setting up <laughs> setting up everything setting up man caves yep, setting yeah. up the man caves <laughs> don't need any of that yeah. don't worry guys we have a football field up here um, we don't have restrooms though <laughs> no, we need no, some more no. beer we're out sorry oh, my goodness. oh that is so funny though like how quickly like somebody who is based on the moon like uh, develops a way to like produce alcohol like it, it keeps coming oh, up in yeah. the series again and again like it's, it's it's the first thing honestly you leave a human around for a few days and they're just like I want <laughs> <laughs> what happens if this spoils? Can I drink it? <laughs> it's but uh, I I really do think like the best part is just how clever like how clever she is how clever clever the author is. At one point she says, "Now explain it to me very slowly, like I'm a congressman." And I was I mean I had to reread that whole page because I was just in tears. It was so funny. You know Brandon Sanderson, sci-fi and fantasy author. In the her author's note at the end, she says that he helped her when she got stuck, Aww. and that makes sense because this book is every bit as much about the characters and their motivations and their faults as it is about like the whole like space plot thing and i could definitely see like i got to the end of it i was like this was so good and then i saw his name and i was like that makes sense and i mean like she's an incredible author obviously yeah. i'm not like giving brandon sanderson credit for her great work but there was that kind of like like that that parallel that i could yeah. definitely see it's, it's clear that they rub elbows with yeah people equal to her ilk Ex- exactly <laughs> like if they didn't know each, al- each other already they really should yeah. uh, <laughs> so this is also like an apocalypse story like it's a mm-hmm. uh, it's it's kind of a strange apocalypse story because you don't know if there's really going to be an apocalypse or like if you're going to be able to see it but it does have that kind of like looming future like Mm -hmm. and so occasionally what they'll have like just interrupting the normal course of the story is of course a horrible disaster that's caused by like the hurricanes or earthquakes that are now gaining in strength and in devastation and so that's like a really interesting but also like heartbreaking part of the story is that they'll be all like ah hey we're having a wonderful day and oh no half of that other country is now gone and so so in, in, that, in that case, it might not be a book for you right now. <laughs> well, at least it's not a virus. At least it's not a virus, right? Um, we That book is luckily really free of those. Though I will say in the second book, this is a very small spoiler, that there is a group of people who are afraid of the space virus that is not existent. They just oh, think no. that people who are astronauts and go up into space and come back must be carrying space germs. Mm-hmm. It's very funny, though. Like, funny in like that like really gut-wrenching type of way that you know this is exactly how it would be. Yeah. So the first book is The Calculating Stars. The second one is called The Faded Sky, and it actually... No, not that one. The next one. Book three actually came out this year, and there's a book four coming out next year. Wow. So it is a current and ongoing series, and it'll be really interesting to see how the current pandemic has like influenced how her writing is. I think with every book that I've read that's been published in the last year, like it's 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 been there, even if it's not like yeah. a topic. Especially in something like this where it's dealing with the end of the world, like people having to like band together to to work towards like one common goal. You got some real world experience. 
experience and misinformation running rampant exactly (laughs) yeah oh my goodness yeah this book could easily have been written today and not like five years ago yeah definitely with the whole crazy misinformation and people being like no but i you know another interesting part of this is like she's obviously dealing with the sexism of like the space agencies but that doesn't like release her from like her obligations towards like the racism in like she's jewish but like as a a white jewish woman she's not like experiencing that day-to-day racism that some of the other women she's working with are and so like she's really having to come face to face too with the fact that like some of her own assumptions are are rooted in racism and she has to like address that in herself like i this is one of the best books in the world for that i've ever read for somebody who's really coming to terms with their own prejudice like learning to see it and learning how to react properly against it and in that way it's really wonderful like i would i would read a million books about alma york just because she's already like become such an incredible woman who has like really transformed herself who hasn't let her own biases like completely continue to rule her Mm -hmm. and it seems like this is a very like subtle book as well like it's not it seems like it does a good job at really approaching a lot of these topics and like weaving them in in a way that feels very relatable for people just from the way that you've described it it feels like something that could actually be like very easily used as like a real life lesson because it's probably something that you've done or that has happened to you or near you at least yeah Uh, which is always nice when it's something that like it feels like real and lived in like that yes very much yeah there's not like a part of it that feels like that it's you know it's 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 not a bad movie (laughs) you know like yeah it doesn't like make you feel like oh no this is all not with like the cheesy dialogue yeah Uh, yeah. performative like oh no yeah no (laughs) i am good Uh and i would not do that (laughs) (laughs) it does that remarkable thing though of like making like bad things happen all around you but in a way you still want to live in the story because the characters are so wonderful and what they're trying to achieve is so incredible it'll be okay i believe in them (laughs) (laughs) so how about you tell us about some of the other characters because they seem pretty central to the story um no they're all boring no just kidding (laughs) it's just her (laughs) yeah so she's married which is interesting too because um, it would have been really easy not to give her a husband in this because it's really it's about her her husband is also a Dr. York and he works for the space agency he's an engineer I believe and he is like entirely supportive like sometimes mm-hmm. he doesn't understand but he does the great thing of like stepping back and listening until he does understand which mm-hmm. is like a miracle <laughs> and so but no like he's 100% supportive and she's like uh, I want to go to space and he's like of course you want to go to space and she's like what? but no like I'm going to go to space he's like I will support you on your way to space and so it's just it's fantastic and she works with oh my goodness i almost forgot this like like the main villain like i mean you would think that climate change alone would be actually but no so this guy's name is parker and he they had a run-in oh this is another good thing i'm just gonna stumble all over myself while i try to tell you all the good things about this book they had a run-in in world war ii that's mentioned before like the book starts is referred to during the book but it's an event that happened before the book starts because parker had he he was a little bit too handsy with some of the other wasp pilots and she reported them and nobody else would come forward because he was higher ranking than them and they didn't want to lose their position and so she was the one who was like no like somebody's got to deal with him so i don't think that he even had really like an official like reprimand because he's still like considered in this like place of authority but of course now he despises her yeah and so and of course they're working together closely because otherwise it wouldn't be fun and so but yeah he's like this absolute rat and he is just like determined like at every like direction to like just get her off of the program keep her from going into space 
because he just hates her and she's like there's really nothing I can do about this like she's like I don't like you either but they continue to have to like deal with each other and uh, the, the the great thing is though is that like there's this part where they each learned something about each other that could compromise both careers and so they kind of like reach this stalemate but like it adds this extra layer of tension because you have no idea who's going to crack first mm. it's great what he finds out about her is actually another really fascinating facet of the story is that she suffers from anxiety and she didn't realize for the longest time why she got so nauseated when she had to stand in front of crowds but once she figured it out like she starts taking some medication for her anxiety actually the first real drug that was prescribed for anxiety in like the 1950s and so it was a they call it a tranquilizer there's a a brand name on it but i can't remember what it is but she's afraid that if they find out that she occasionally takes these for like public appearances that it's going to ground her and they're not going to consider her for Mm -hmm. space flight people have been dismissed from it for far less than Mm -hmm. that and she's in a high stress position so they're like you know they they wouldn't know if they could like trust her quote unquote especially Um, if she was not near her medication like i think spending anyone on space when they have a medication that they take regularly is something that they prefer not to do because then you don't have it (laughs) absolutely and when a big part of your job is to think quickly in a crisis yes i mean that can that can add like a a part of the concern will there be a camera crew then i will be okay (laughs) right yeah yeah she's totally fine if things are exploding but as long as nobody's pointing a camera at her she's in good shape But as somebody who has anxiety, I really, like, enjoyed that part of the story, too, because I was like, heck, yeah, if I'd gone into space, that would have been a big problem. (laughs) Way more just from, like, the actual, like, probably lifting off in the rocket than the cameras part. But still, like, that's that's a fascinating thing to think about is how those little things, which can be annoying or can be debilitating in your life, uh, you know, like, affect... Well, the entire future of mankind. <laughs> I also think that's interesting because I think it happens more often than people realize that somebody that suffers from anxiety doesn't realize that that's actually the root of the problem. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And especially like in this time period when, yes. you know, like awareness of, you know, like psychological issues altogether is not as great as it was as it is now. I definitely think it's much more easy nowadays to have enough general knowledge about it that if you know you feel weird in certain situations, you can be like, hey maybe my weirdness is anxiety (laughs) as opposed to the olden days where as you said there's literally one anxiety medication just came on the market and most people were just like we have to give it to women so they stop thinking about things because we don't like that (laughs) (laughs) yep yeah i feel like at the very least nowadays there's google like and and what indeed will tell you if it's cancer or if it's anxiety sometimes that makes it worse (laughs) sometimes that does make it worse right you you google afraid to speak in public and it's just like i'm sorry you have cancer (laughs) absolutely oh no i have 36 concurrent illnesses (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i really like that they tackle that especially in the 50s because i think there's so much in the 50s that for women and like mental health issues is either like people over prescribing things because they don't want women to have normal like thoughts and opinions or just being like oh it's because you're a woman that's why you're so anxious all the time and just kind of like downplaying the fact that it's a, a manageable like condition and she still wants to do all of these things and she totally can but even in this situation where it's literally the end of the world she's just <laughs> like but maybe they won't let me because i don't like speaking in front of crap yeah oh my goodness yes yeah 
So I have to ask a super stupid question that sure. I may cut out depending on how dumb this actually <laughs> is. But at the beginning, you were describing it as punch card punk? Yes. So can you delve into that a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. So the 1950s, think about computers in the 1950s. Ah, <laughs> okay, okay. Right? So they have them. They have like, you know, an, I don't want to say a prototype, but an early version of computers. But the thing is, is of course, they're run with the, these punch cards. cards yeah. And so every bit of data has to be manually entered. Well, come in. Elma York, and she has one of those brains where if she hears two numbers, her mind automatically adds them, divides them, whatever you want to do. Right. And she can do it instantaneously, honestly, almost without thinking about it. Does it way easier than anything else that she does in her life. And so you have the computers who are the women who process all of this information as it comes in. They're double checking everything with the punch card computers, but often by the time that number comes in to confirm, like the issue's passed already. They can use it a lot for like the preparation for the flights and things like that. But anything that is, like, in the moment, the computers, the machines are completely useless. So um, you're having, like, basically 30-plus years in the future technology that they're having to manage with 1950s technology. Okay, yeah. And so you you do have, like, the the mechanical computers. But, yeah, it's it's not good. They got no Google. (laughs) Right. Okay, that's all the questions I can think of. It sounds really exciting. I I will have to pick it up because I love a, a 1950s futuristic space opera type I don't know yeah kind adventure. of alternate history yeah. is kind of an interesting slice of literature in general it's true so. Fall, it's my favorite game series this is right up my alley yes. <laughs> I just I really love too that like I mean like we think of sci-fi as being futuristic but this is the sci-fi of the past and that's really mm-hmm. different and so I really enjoyed that all right well stay tuned next week for more fantastic book recommendations bye